0: All right, we'll get into the teaching and then we'll see we go. Those are for you, so you can hang on to those for now. And uh, it applies to what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about um, long-term vision. I think what long-term vision is is really similar to a dream. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, I feel like most of you guys are in a dreaming season. You can disagree with me if you want, Um, but I feel like uh, just kind of like your age category, like a lot of you guys are in a dreaming season. Maybe you're coming out of a dreaming season, um, or maybe you're going into it, I don't know, but um, I just kind of like felt like that in my spirit when I was putting this together. Um, Well, so as I was thinking about talking about long-term vision, I decided to Kind of give you guys like the next step that often takes place in our spiritual walk as we because once we have a dream, God often sends us into obscurity or the desert or drawing away, whether by choice or not so um and you can actually like as as you have this dream inside of you um and God sends you this can be like you know in a place filled with people, yet like you know that like. Like, no one sees the dream that's in you, or no one sees the potential that, that you're holding on to. So, it's not necessarily like a literal desert, but it can be. Um, but we see this, like, time and time again in scriptures, and it's just, like, I've noticed it in my life, and I've seen it in a lot of people's lives, how God tends to do this. So, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, we're going to look at the story of Joseph. It's actually the story of our father, as displayed in Joseph's life. Um, You guys are probably you guys are probably familiar with Joseph, um, but if not, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background on him. He uh, he was the youngest son son of Jacob, and I'm just going to give you a real rough Ryan Stansky version. So just bear with me. Just going to give you the facts. Um, as are important to my teaching tonight. Um, So he was the 12th son of Jacob. This is kind of important because, like, back in those days, the way inheritance worked, of course, was like the first son got pretty much everything, and the rest, the sons, like, accordingly. So he was kind of like the last in line to receive anything. Um, And it wasn't just like, inheritance, but it was also, like, status and voice in the family. And so that's kind of a big deal. When he was, when Joseph was young, he receives these two dreams, both of which are, like, that his family is going to bow down to him. And (laughs) he chooses to share it with his family, which, good or bad, he does. So he has this, he receives these dreams about him being moved into a place of prominence. And... He shares it with them, and, of course, they struggle with it. You guys know the story. Um, it really hacks his brothers off. And so one day while he's coming to them, he, they throw him in a pit, try to kill him. But one guy's like, don't kill him. Let's sell him because we can make money. So <laughs> so they do. He ends up in Egypt. He ends up working for Potiphar, which is like he's like kind of moving up the ranks. He's doing good. God's favor is on him. But then um, – Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of t- attempted rape, which he didn't do. And uh, that lands him in the dungeon, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Genesis 40. And we're just going to kind of take like a couple points out of... um some things that I think are really important as we enter this season of life where God has given you a dream, and now he's moved you into this place where you almost feel stuck, and it's definitely not the realization of the dream. And there's um, some really awesome lessons that Joseph walks through that we find in just this one chapter, and we begin to realize, like, wow, these things, if, we, if we'll lay hold of what God is doing in our life and... Um, recognize it for what it is, it could actually speed up this season um, rather than having to endure it. So Genesis 40, I'm going to start reading. So verse 1, then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them. And they were in confinement for some time. Um, Yeah, so we'll stop right there. The first point I want to make to you guys is um, don't, don't despise a day of small beginnings. We see that in verse 4 that Joseph is in prison, but in prison he's actually put in charge of other prisoners. Um, So it's not the most luxurious position that you've ever received, but nonetheless, um, that's kind of where he gets his start. And this is oftentimes what I feel like God does. He he puts us in a place (coughs) and he will give us a small amount of influence. Okay, so that might mean for you guys, like, it might mean um, a Bible study. It might be in a small group. It might mean uh, your family. Whatever it is, like, God will give you a small amount of influence. I remember um, there's this lady. Her name is Isabel Allen. if you guys ever heard of her. Anyway, she's a powerful, powerful prophet of the Lord, like, amazing, um, that lives in our day, and, like, she's actually prophesied over me and Corey twice both of which we just got messed up the lady just hears from god but she tells about when she received the prophetic word about her teaching gift and how when she first like received it to herself like she was given no opportunity to teach except for the two dogs at home so she would literally like put the dogs on the couch and she would like teach them like from the word and i know it sounds like completely ridiculous but what was awesome was, because her husband was working, and she was like, I don't have anything to do. But it was like, she was in this place, and she was like, you know what? Even though it's like the smallest thing, I'm going to be faithful in it. And I'm going to start walking in like in what God said. And it was just, I don't know. I was, I was just like, that's incredible. Um, but he'll also give us a place where we can get our feet wet. So this is an awesome time, guys, when God moves you into it, where you're like, okay, maybe you have a dream of being, I don't know this powerful minister of God and doing revival meetings in Africa. That's what we'll talk about tonight. The person who has the dream of doing like millions of revival meetings in Africa. And um, like he gives you a job somewhere. This is a chance for you to get your feet wet. It's a chance for you to learn your giftings in the marketplace. Um, Really where, you know, before you get on a stage, before millions of people, it gives you an opportunity to be like, okay, like, what are my giftings? You know, maybe you receive a couple of prophetic words that you're gifted in this area. This is like, now is the time to start trying that stuff out and being like, all right, let's see what happens. One thing to keep in mind is, like, it is an opportunity to get our feet wet, but you also have to, like, clean up your mess. So that's good to remember. So if you make a mess, clean it up. Um, a mess being, you know... If you offend someone, go back and be like, listen, I'm sorry I offended you. I'm trying to learn what I'm doing here, you know, so that kind of a thing. Um, this is also an opportunity to minister when no one's watching. Often when God has us in these seasons, you guys, even if we're trying to be noticed, no one is going to see you for who you are around you. Sometimes this can be very frustrating. Because you're like, I am this amazing person. Because God is telling you how amazing you are. And you're like starting to minister and no one sees it in you yet. And that's okay. Like God has it. Like God has you in that place and He's it's actually intentional. Because God's like, I don't want to move you too fast. If I showed them how awesome you are, they would be like, oh my gosh, you're awesome. Why don't you come teach at my thing? And why don't you come do this? Or why don't you come, you know, take part in this or do this? It's like, God will intentionally keep people's eyes blind to like help us remain in that place. It's awesome. Why? Because he's a good father. And because even though he has work to be done to him, relationship is more important, so um, and you're more important than all wow well, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I was going to say all the lost people, but then there's the you know parable of the ninety nine anyway but um, let me see what else I've been talking about. Um, this is also where he teaches us to be faithful in the mundane. Um, oftentimes, like right after we receive a prophetic word, or right after God tells us what we're going to be, how many of you guys experience the thing where you run in that for like three weeks solid, and it's like, oh, you're going, and you're going, and it's like, this is who I am now. I'm a world changer. My family, here I am. I'm a world changer. I'm a prophet of the Lord, or whatever. And you know, after those three weeks, it's like, well, I'm still working here, you know. And I'm still living in the same place I am. And I don't, you know. And all of a sudden, like, the feelings go. And that's the time when, like, God hasn't moved you forward super rapidly. And now you're still in this place, and you have to learn to be faithful in the mundane. Um, this is all kind of what Joseph's going through, and this is what I believe the Lord This is why I believe, you know, he was accelerated in Potiphar's house, but he wasn't quite ready for what God had for him yet. So God sends him to the dungeon. Wow. And it's in that, so the first point was small beginnings. The second point is, um, in these places, in this place of solitude, in this place of separation, this is where we learn to hope. Um. This is an open, open-ended question. What sort of lies do you think Joseph was hearing in the dungeon? Like, what was Satan trying to say as he's sitting in the dungeon in Egypt, the foreign land? What do you guys think? What are some things that Satan's trying to throw at him? That's right. Yeah. Right, your dreams are never going to come true. What else? Ah, oh, that was what I was feeling. I get that all the time. You messed it up. You messed it up, right? Well, you should have never you should have never told your brothers if you hadn't told your brothers they wouldn't have gotten jealous, they wouldn't have, you know you messed it up. Ah, oh, that's a good one. What else? What else do you guys think? Satan loves to blame us, doesn't he, man? What else do you think he's hearing in there? Any other thoughts? Probably like you're never getting out of here. This is as far as it goes. Man, can you imagine trying to keep hope alive in that moment? We know the end of the story. But for him, you know, it's like you've got, The bucket over in the corner with everyone's feces, like, overflowing, you know. Dungeon life was not good back then. There wasn't cable television, you know. And, I mean, like, you had to believe that he had these dreams. And in these dreams, if it's me, I'm assuming it's in my own land. So I'm going to go back and be, like, leader over the people of Israel. Not in the foreign land that I don't really like that much, that I've been accused of rape, you know. And now I'm in the dungeon. Man, Satan must have just been giving it to him. But I'll give you this, guys. Our Father uses Satan to make us strong. You guys ever wonder why God doesn't step in when Satan's just. Blah, 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 blah. You ever wonder why he doesn't step in? Because he's wanting us to realize that we are more powerful than he is. And he's wanting us to learn to choose to hear and to choose to fight, you know, and to choose to rely, like, stand in his promises. This is just, this is mind-blowing to me. But, And because God really doesn't come down to his level. Like, God's not threatened by Satan's accusations. The way I see it is Satan's in the throne room of God, throwing his crap, and God's up there. He's not concerned. Which is weird to us because we see ourselves as weak, right? We're like, God... I don't know how much more of this guy can take. I feel like I'm losing hope. I really need something from you here. But it's like God, who knows us really well, is like, this is good. I can actually use what Satan does for my glory. (laughs) That has got to get on Satan's nerves. Anyway, um, so God will often use Satan to make us strong. I've actually had this happen to me like several times where Satan will come with a thought. And then I, like, either the Holy Spirit brings me revelation or I realize, and it actually launches me that much higher into the presence of God. You know? Because I realize the anti of what Satan is saying is truth. Oh, that's got to drive him nuts. Because one time, I remember actually specifically, I was walking out that way, and I was going um, past Planned Parenthood, and I felt like maybe in my spirit, I'm supposed to go up Third Street as I'm walking, and I was like, well, I'm just going to go down Fair and Satan was like, oh, you're going to miss it or whatever. Maybe there was something there for you. And, like, right away, I was like, no matter where I go, like, I don't know what it was. if It was like God is with me and, like, but it, like, launched me that much higher into the presence. And that's what, like, God is wanting to teach us how to do. Um, but anyway, in this dungeon place, this is where we learn to hope as well. Um we learn to, like, protect our dream and, like, really make it our own and, um, and where we actually have to fight for it because others aren't seeing it in us. Um, let's take a look at the rest of the story, and then we're going to kind of jump into some more. Actually, really, like, one big lesson that Joseph had to learn that I think if we get a hold of, it, it'll, it'll change our lives. So, um, I think I left off verse 5. And then I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. How are we doing on time? We're good. Okay. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, We have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell it to me, please. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, And I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand, according to your former custom, when you were his cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I love that verse, he's like, ah, oh, the interpretations are good. Not so much. So he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And in the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh off of you. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Um, first off, pretty crazy that um, Joseph was willing to give that interpretation, huh? How would you like that? To know, like, that's what it means and, like, be willing to give someone that? Three days you're going to die? Wow. Anyway. That's like a total side note of like amazing confidence, but that's really cool. Um, let's see, how am I going to start this? Let's take a real quick look at verse 14 again. Joseph says, Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh. And get me out of this house, for I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Um, we learn from this statement that Joseph hasn't learned that it is God and not man who has him there. Joseph still hasn't come to the realization that God is the one who has him in the dungeon. He thinks um, it's a bad coincidence of events and he needs to get out in order to fulfill his destiny. I have seen this countless times uh, with friends and people where God has them in a a situation that they're really not enjoying. And rather than come to this realization that God has them there and soak up whatever it is, it's like there's like a fleeing that takes place. It's like, oh, I just have to get out. Or sometimes it's like I need to go and do my dream. And um, a lot of times what will happen is I see that same person end up in the same situation like a year later. How many of you guys have friends that, like, they go from job to job to job because it's like, oh, man, no matter where I go, it's like either my boss or my coworkers. You guys have friends like that? I have friends like that. Maybe you are that person. I don't know. But, um, you know, no matter where they go, it's like God is so jealous to put these things in them, and yet, like, we still have a choice. But um, the other thing we see that from this little passage is that Joseph is actually putting himself under man's authority rather than resting under God's. So, like, he gives this interpretation to the cupbearer, and then he says, Hey, listen, now that I have this in with you, I've given you this interpretation, remember me. So what he's doing is he's actually putting himself under man's authority and saying, listen, if, if you can make this work for me, that would be awesome, but I need you. Like, I need you to do this for me. Because if you don't, I'm screwed. So what's he doing? He's like tying, he's literally like tying his hope to a man. That is a, a not safe foundation. I would argue very, very, very heavily that that is the reason that we read in verse 41, and the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. I'm not saying that God took divine measures and removed it, but I'm saying probably. Because God saw that, you know what? You're not quite ready yet, Joe. You're not quite ready for what I have for you. I still want to show you, you have to get this, that that I am your ultimate authority and I am in control. Another thing we learn, um, God, not gifts, will bring your adva- advancement. So Joseph is, is in fact, kind of like uses his gift of dream interpretation to try and like get him to that next level. And it's God, that not, but not gifts, that will bring your advancement. You can be one of the most gifted people. I mean, I don't know. You could be like incredibly gifted in the realm of teaching. But until God is ready, if you're willing to submit to him, like it might be, there might be a waiting period there. Because giftings are a scary thing to bring advancement. And I've seen this end badly as well, where someone comes into the church and they have incredible amounts of gifting. And so right away, the pastor puts them in a position And it's bad. You guys know the story of when Charlie first showed up to our church and he sat down with Pastor John and shared, like, some of the dreams that he had for his life? And you know what Pastor John told him? You guys know this story? Yeah. Pastor John's like, that's awesome. I'd love to have you come and be a greeter and back. And Charlie left, like, so angry. He was just like, oh, you know, Oh, it's just so beautiful, because it's like, and, but Charlie got over it, and he's like, you know what, if, like, I'm going to serve faithfully there, but that's, oh, my gosh, like, what a gift, because Charlie, at that point, you put him up here, and he's going to do a lot of damage to the body, and he's going to hurt people, and, and, and not only that, God's like, what I'm most important is not, like, your influence, what I'm most in, my highest importance is you. My highest importance is you. And I'm not willing to sacrifice that just so that maybe a few people can get fired up. Um, So God, not your gifts will bring your advancement. All right. Now we get to the fun part. Chapter 41. Let's see where we're at. We're good. Now it happened at the end of two full years. So it's, two year, it's been two years since Joseph gave the interpretation and the cupbearer dropped the ball and was like, I totally forgot. But really, God was like, i got two more years for you, Joseph, in the dungeon. And behold, uh, so uh, it's been two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he was standing by the Nile. So we, we're going to look real quick at Pharaoh's dream. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they gazed in the marsh grass. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second dream. I'm just going to tell you because I'm starting to get dry. He dreams about seven ears of corn that are really full and luscious, and they eat seven seven bad corn, like torn apart by the east wind, come up and they eat those corn. Okay. Um let's see. Verse 8. Now in the morning his spirit was troubled so he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the baker. We had a dream on the same night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and he related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted it according to his own dream, and just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. So then we look at verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon, and when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Um, a couple just uh, observations, right? Pharaoh could have had his dream any time. Pharaoh could have had his dream any time. So it was the divine hand of God. And it was like, when, I say that to say when you're ready, God will not, like, not move speedily. Like, God is all about you guys fulfilling your dreams. He is all about it. He is more excited for you to fulfill your dreams than you are. I guarantee it. Because he made you, and he's like, I'm going to love seeing you guys do these things. So when it's time, God is not going to wait. And that's, man, when it was time, God's like, perfect. I'm going to give Pharaoh a dream. So this is a good thing to be ready Um, just side note, be ready, because (laughs) verse 14, can you imagine, like, you know, Pharaoh's officials come down there, like, grabbed him. They're like, hey, let's go. We got to be in a hurry. Uh, You're going to go see Pharaoh. And it's like, boom, no time to be like, hold on, I got to spend time with God real quick. I've kind of in a bad mood right now, kind of in a bad place. Um, No, there's like none of that. He's like, let's get shaved. I'm going to, like, give you a brand new clothes, and you're about to stand before the most powerful man in the world at that time. Like, let's go. If you give a bad interpretation, if you give a good interpretation, the Pharaoh has the power to just be like, you're dead. I just Okay, that's great. I'll kill you. Like, anyway, it's kind of a big deal. <sighs> kind of a big deal. It'd be kind of like like the UN, like, calling you guys up and being like, hey, can you be here tomorrow? to share before all the world leaders. It's kind of like what Joseph has going on. Um, so, so now we're in this place of like, I love this because I wish this was a movie because I can just see it where it's like we have no idea what's happened in the last two years, right? All we know is Joseph, last time we saw Joseph, he was like, please don't forget me to the cupbearer. I'm not supposed to be here in this dungeon. Please don't forget me. So he's tied his hope to man, and now it's been like two years of silence. We have no idea what's happened in Joseph's heart. Was he like offended at God? Where is he at? So we see it in verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I have heard it said about you that when you hear dreams, you can interpret it. Verse 16. Joseph then answered Pharaoh saying, It's not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Whoa. All God's people said, amen. That's awesome, huh? It's been two years, but Joseph hasn't allowed his heart. He's not uh, moved back from the place of faith. He's still walking in faith. He's like, you know what? I, I can't, but you know what? God is going to speak through me. He's going to give you an answer. Um, so Pharaoh tells Joseph his dream. Mm. Verse 22. Then I awoke, I saw also my dream. Okay, he's talking about the ears of corn. Verse 25. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, he says, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be 7 years of famine. It is as I it is as I have spoken to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Behold, 7 years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt, and after them 7 years of famine will come. And all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of the subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God, and God will quickly bring it about. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land, and let them exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land For the seven years of famine, which will occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and all his servants. Do you guys notice the difference? What is the difference between this interpretation and the interpretation that he gives the cupbearer? There's a few differences. This is an actual question. What's the difference? This one's longer. That's not, that doesn't count. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Does he credit the first one to God? In the first one? Okay, so that's not a difference, but it's a good point. Okay, yeah, he tells Pharaoh what to do. So that's a difference. Maybe like the whole interaction. There's this whole interaction with the cupbearer and his whole interaction with Pharaoh. What's the difference? You okay, guys seeing like what the big difference is? I kind of touched on it earlier. Were you guys sleeping during that part? I'm just kidding. In. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay, do you got this is the start difference, right? He's in the dungeon. He's got the cut bear. He gives him like, he's got an in with the cutbear. He's like, I'm gonna take advantage of this situation. Get me out of here, okay? Two years later, now he's got an in with Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. This is when, after you give the interpretation, you tell him, by the way, I'm in the dungeon. I don't want to be in the dungeon anymore. This is when you do that. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? He says, Pharaoh, here's the interpretation of your dream. Here's what you need to do. Okay, okay. I've got work to do in the dungeon. I'm I'm raising up disciples in the dungeon. And Pharaoh's like, who the heck are you? He doesn't actually say that. That's a little bit of Ryan in there. But I believe with all my heart that this huge heart, heart transformation has taken place in Joseph where he's realized, I am no longer going to submit my hope to man. I am not going to do it. I'm no longer going to tie my hope to man, and I'm no longer going to try and take advantage of all those situations. I am under God, and he is my ultimate authority, and when he is ready, he will bring me into my promotion and my dreams. This blows my mind. This is insane. Micah, you hit it on the head, man. He doesn't talk about himself. Oh, (laughs) Oh, you can imagine, right? I guarantee you this happens to Barack Obama on a regular basis when he calls people in and he starts getting to know him, right? And eventually it comes out what they want to like, hey, Barack, if you could help me out here, you know, I guarantee that happens because we have a world that's like, man, like, how do I move up and how, like, How do I move up? It's up to me. And Joseph comes to this place where he realized God is my ultimate authority and he will move me up. Oh, I'm going to trust him. I'm telling you, I can just see it. I can see him giving the word and turning around and being like, okay, guys, take me back. Because that's what he does. He leaves it off. And in the king's presence, Oh, man. Oh. Don't you guys just long to be like that? Oh, man. Lord. And there's several reasons I believe that, like, God is waiting to develop this in us. Because, you know what? If we're, if we take advantage of situations in order to get us into positions right, then we're not going to be trusting God in those positions and we're not going to be able to deliver the messages that he'd want us to, right? Because if I have to get an in with my boss in order to get a promotion and then God tells me I want you to confront this sin in her life but the only reason I'm in that position is because I got this in, right? How hard is it going to be to give that word? I'm going to have a hard time giving that word. What if I'm walking in the reality that God is my ultimate authority and that if he gives me a word, I can trust him no matter what to give that word. And if it costs me my job, I don't have to worry because God will have even something better for me. In fact, that might mean it's the release from the dungeon for me and it's time for like my next promotion. I believe God is waiting for a people he can trust who get this, that God is their ultimate authority and that he will bring them in when it's time. And when it's time, I really believe that God is going to begin to give leaders dreams. There's a guy in, um, out at Bethel Church in California, and he preached a message that said Pharaoh is dreaming again. And what he was basically saying is that the leaders of the world, God is getting ready to release dreams to the leaders of the world and that they're going to begin questioning things and that he's going Like, God will have prepared his Josephs to stand up in those moments and either give interpretations for dreams. I mean, it might not look exactly like that, but people who are not submitted themselves to man, but they're able actually to speak into these people's lives, right? How many of you know it's really hard? Man, it's really hard for these powerful CEOs to find guys who will actually speak truth in their lives, right? That's like a huge problem. They're all yes men. They're all like, that's a great idea, boss. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's just cool. Hmm. So let me tell you what was learned in those two years. Genesis 45, 8, we get a picture. This is after Joseph. You guys want to read? What time is it? Ooh, we're running short on time. We don't have time. Um... Well, maybe we have a little bit of time. Uh, Verse 38 of the 41. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is the divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as as you are. So Pharaoh's like, Hold on, hold on, hold on, before you leave. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not quite ready for you to leave yet. You shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, man, he's met this guy for like two seconds. But because he's not afraid of Pharaoh, everyone else was afraid of Pharaoh. Joseph, not afraid of Pharaoh. And And it messed him up. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. He had him ride around in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Long story short, Pharaoh gives him a new name. Craziness. So Joseph goes, like in the same day, from being in the dungeon to being the second most powerful man in the world. Because the time was right, and God had put the things, our father had worked the situations perfectly to teach. Joseph, what he needed to. So let's look at Psalm, or Psalm, Genesis 45 8. And this is a summary of what Joseph learned in those two years. And this is where he's finally revealed to his brothers that, hey, it's me, I'm Joseph. And he says in verse number 8, he says, Now therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh. Whoa. And lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Man. That's such a good word. He has made me a father to Pharaoh. I didn't see that till I was preparing this like an hour ago. Or like finishing up. He's made me a father to Pharaoh. What's Joseph saying? He's like, he brought me into father Pharaoh. Whoa. And, he, and that's what he learned. He's like, listen, you guys think you sold me into slavery, but you don't have the power to do that. Only God had the power to, to, to do this in my life. Oh. That's why we can be excited when we get turned down for jobs. Only God has the power to keep uh, people's eyes closed. How awesome you guys are, so that they don't see it. This is why we can get excited when we get turned down for promotion, and we're like, "Okay, God, what are you? What are you still trying to teach me or show me? What are you trying to keep me from that might keep me from where you're taking me?" Because God has is the ultimate authority. And if you've submitted your life to him, look out. Oh man, okay, I'm running low on time. Okay, so in summary, uh, one thing that's always, okay, real quick before summary. Jesus walked in this, right? You guys remember when Pharaoh's like, or not Pharaoh, Potiphar. Potiphar's like, Hey, you have to answer my questions, Jesus. If not, I'm going to crucify you. You remember what Jesus says to him? He's like, you don't have that power. I'm glad you think you have that power over my life, but you don't. Oh, wow. Jesus is like, you don't have that power. Like, whether I live or die is in my Father's hands. Man. Crazy. So Jesus walked in it. We're going to walk in it. Summary time. We have the same father as Joseph. The same father, the same God. No different today. He's still giving us dreams. Just as committed to you guys coming into your destiny and the fulfillment of those dreams as he was to Joseph. Wow. I'm also encouraged that Joseph didn't have it all together, right? Right? (laughs) <laughs> he didn't. I love it when Bible characters are flawed. I'm like, perfect. It means I'm qualified for this job. Joseph wasn't perfect, right? But, man, the father just knows. He The father knows what he's doing. Um, in summary, I would say commit to the season that you guys are in. Whatever season you're in, commit to it. And be like, God, what are you teaching me about who you are? This is what Graham Cook says. Oh, you should be a, good questions or not. Why am I here, God? Why is this happening to me? These are bad questions. Good questions. God, what are you trying to show me about yourself? Here's a practical example. I was put in a position of leadership, and, and now God has just really, for the first time in my life, been revealing, me, revealing to me like who I am as a leader. And, like, and this is at my work at Target. And at first, this was really easy, and everyone was like, yay, you're a new leader, we like you. But now it's like people are getting more comfortable, and I've, like, received some opposition. And at first, I was like, God, why? You know, like, not wanting to face it. And then I realized, you know what? Strength grows in opposition. Unless people oppose me, I'm not going to grow stronger, right? Right? So whatever, and that's just the season that I'm in, but whatever season you guys are in, commit to it and be like, God, what are you trying to teach me about who you are in this season? Like, what are you trying to teach me about who I am in this season? Because for a long time, guys, I was in this season of learning that I was a son, a beloved son, and it was like all God wanted to talk about, and, it's, and I like never wanted to learn that or leave that place because it was so precious, but now God has me in the season of learning that I'm like, Okay, you are a beloved son, but you also have this identity of a confident leader that I'm wanting to like, bring out of you and teach you about who, like, what that is. And so it's like, oh, I love that God doesn't change. But whatever season you're in, commit to that season and commit to that place. Because what it's going to do is it'll speed it up that much further. Be like, God, what are you trying to teach me about yourself? Are you trying to teach me that you're faithful? Are you trying to teach me that you're powerful? Like literally ask him and hear what he has to say. He'll tell you. Usually, I don't know, sometimes he doesn't tell me, but. Um, Okay, real quick in closing. um, I talked a little bit about Charlie's story, but I know no greater example of a Joseph story than Charlie's story. Um, He doesn't have a college degree. When I met Charlie, he he was going here. I don't think he was quite the assistant pastor yet, but he was working at Baby Cake's and like this guy i mean like i love don't get me wrong like charlie's one of my dearest friends um but like he had no money you know cuz he was working at baby cakes and he was having to get up early in the morning and scrub muffin pans and from this position of like scrubbing muffin pans early in the morning at baby cakes coffee charlie had these dreams of like you know one day speaking in front of thousands of people and He was scrubbing muffin tins at Baby Cakes. And, um, like, I'll never forget uh, seeing Charlie walk through all the phases. Charlie will tell you himself, when he first started there, he used to go home and have to shut himself in a room because he was so frustrated by what was happening in that place and the leader and, and what they were doing wrong and all these things. He was so frustrated by it. And I, like, what was awesome is I got to see him through all these different phases As he, like, started out, he was really frustrated in the season that he was in. And then he moved into this place of, like, um, contentment. But it was, like, this contentment of, like, but when I get my shot, I'm going to take it, you know. I saw that happen. And I'll never forget six months before he received, or probably actually three months before he received this promotion, he told me, Ryan, for the rest of my life, I'm going to work at Baby Cakes, and I'm going to be an assistant pastor. And it's going to be this great combination because I'm going to have ministry ministry but I'm also going to be in the world. That's what he told me. He said, for the rest of my life, I'm planning on working at Baby Cakes as a barista for $9 an hour or whatever he made. That's what he told me. That's what he was going to do. And it was three months later that God gave him a position as an assistant manager at the hotel. And then it was six months after that, that he became the, uh, the store manager at that hotel. And then it was Six months, nine months. Eleven months after that, that recently he was just made the director of um the company of the company what's the name of the company? These part? Veridia, right? That's building the brand new building over on Lincoln Street. And you know what? Him, the owner, and the owner's wife are the only ones in that inner circle. He's like a director now of like everything that happens. And you know what? (laughs) Seeing Oh my gosh. And it just happened in an instant because God was waiting. He was waiting and he was like, you're not quite ready yet, Charlie. You're not quite ready yet. Like, I don't see you just fully submitted my authority. And you know what? Now I've seen is Charlie being fully, he can be fully confident and walk in that place because he knows that he didn't get himself to that position. God brought him to that position. And man, does he walk in a boldness of who God is no matter who, you know, I mean, it doesn't even matter. It could be the boss of the company, and it's like, here's what I'm getting from God for our company. Oh, so good. We're eight minutes past. Anyone want to share their dream? That's all I had for tonight. Anyone want to share their dream? Any take? If not then. What we're gonna do is um, I'm gonna have you guys hold on to those dreams, and we're gonna we're gonna um, pray over them and you, so that the, we're gonna pray that wherever you're at in that stage, that God's gonna bring it to pass.